Hello everyone, welcome back to part two of Lean Toss-Up Sports' Sharpest College Football Podcast. This is Buck Metrics, joined as always by Robert Martin. Robert, are you ready to look ahead to week two? Yeah, um, honestly, I'm so excited, right? I mean, last week, we were, a lot of stuff we didn't know about, we're like, I think this could be a good play, this might not be a good play. A lot of stuff we didn't play because we just didn't know. Now we have a lot more information about this. Now we can make a lot a lot better informed plays. And I'm like, okay, I really – like before I was like, I kind of like this, kind of like this, kind of like this, don't like this. Now I'm like, I really like this. I really like this. I can't wait for this game now to play this angle. That That's where I'm at now. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for this week. You left out uh, overreaction, and that's always a great part of, <laughs> of week yes. two. Just to completely go on the other, run to the other side of the boat and say, I like this, and now I like that. So – you know, I'm going to try to keep my plays to those that are in line with, with kind of what I'd like before the season, which I'm not going to leave me too many plays, I don't think, but we'll see. Um, so looking ahead. So first of all, my metrics is kind of looking at after one week plus week zero, um, just, you know, who are the, the leaders in some of my metrics so far? My quarterbacks. Um, this is, a, you know, to qualify, you need at least 10 attempts um, per game against FBS opponents. Um, Michael Pratt, he was awesome against a pretty good South Alabama defense. You know, I'm very bullish in general on Sunbelt defenses, so I'm incredibly impressed by that. And they didn't have Ty J Spears, so very impressed by that. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, big number. Arkansas State, horrible on defense. I think officially circling, officially circling the drain, so good for him. Caleb Williams, um, you know, 239 Apex against two teams that were actually pretty good against the the, the pass last season. I didn't explain here. Um, what you have in parentheses is that these teams' defensive Apex last season. So both of those teams were a little bit above average last season. Uh, Michael Penix might have been the most impressive aside from Michael Pratt in that he did it against a Boise defense that I think will still be pretty good when all is said and done at the end of the season. Um, Drew Aller, what a great first start for him. Now, West Virginia sucked against the pass last season, but my gosh, 213 as your first start as a freshman is awesome. Um, Sam Hartman, we only count the Navy game since Tennessee State is um, FCS. Um, okay, I mean, good. You know, we knew that he was good. Navy's defense, we know, is a train wreck and has been for a few years. Shador Standards, we've, I think that's been talked about to death. Awesome, great for him. Uh, let's see it against Nebraska. Jalen Milrow, um, nice. Good for him. I just need to be convinced against something more than a Conference USA team. Connor Wegman, this makes sense. Bad defense, new great offensive coordinator. Really good first step. Um, nice to see him take a step forward that they thought he could, but I need to see more than just New Mexico. And really impressive here coming at 10th, Jordan Travis for Florida State, you know, 184 against an LSU team that was sneakily not great against the past last season. But um, still, it's an SEC defense, um, an SEC West defense to be precise. So um, what, what what really strikes you as, as, as interesting here? Um, I'd actually say Tulane and 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 Michael Pratt that he looked really really good that's actually one of the games i, I rewatched today um that he looked really really good in that game Tulane looked really really good in that t- game against the Southern Alabama team that we actually like and again the thing was they took down USC in i believe it was the Cotton Bowl last year um and i i was very impressed 
like with them in the, in that win. And I said, okay, well they've lost Tajay Spears, maybe. And to be fair, if you watched that Cotton Bowl game, you may have been like, oh, maybe Tajay Spears was this entire team. Um, but Michael Pratt came out there on Saturday and said, guess what? He's not. And uh, this Tulane team might be for real. I'm just kind of think they. I think they might be the team to get the access access bowl bid, as we've talked about before. And they have a game this weekend, and they are underdogs against a team that I would say is not particularly scary. Um, and we'll think we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, that's that's one that sticks out to me as like, hey, that's a very um, that could be a very good game as well. Um, Jan Miller with Bama, that actually seems a little low to me. I thought, like, based on based on some of the highlight clips, he looked amazing. Now, again, um, it is it's all relative, right? And it is important to kind of counterbalance that. But like, yeah, that I I, I think the, the still need to prove the Bama still needs to prove themselves against a better team. Uh, Connor Wiegman, Texas, that he, they looked really good against New Mexico. But again, it is New Mexico, right? That's kind of on this page. It's kind of one of the smallest deltas between what they got and, and what their average was last year, right? So I think that, although people are raving about Texas A&M right now, and they're actually ranked, I believe, I kind of think unjustly ranked, to be fair, but they're raving about Texas A&M right now. Maybe that's a little misplaced. I mean, okay, yeah, they beat up a bad team, but it was a bad team. And I don't know if they're good yet. Just because they beat, just because they destroyed a bad team doesn't mean they're suddenly a good team now. Like, I would have I not ranked them yet, but that's that's just me. Yeah, you know, and while you were talking about Pratt, I I just kind of thought about when we were doing the um, the American preview with Josh um, at CFF guys, and I was concerned that Tulane lost a lot of their um, explosive receivers from last season, and he actually said Pratt's going to throw whoever he has open, um, and I don't know against a really good defense. So far, he was right. Mm-hmm. All right, top Ryan. So this these are the uh, top receivers that, um, again, Ryan is receiving yards above Noob. Basically, we take your your number of receiving yards less a uh, number of yards per reception for a Noob, or basically if just a stiff went out there and caught passes, how many yards per reception would they get? And this is your delta over that. Um, you'll see these numbers skew a little bit one way, but interesting. Um Oh, sorry, I got right off the bat. The Hawaii one's wrong. That uh, that gentleman, Mr. Ashlock, is that's in two games, and it wasn't against South Alabama. It was against Vandy and Stanford. Um, we'll see. Those defenses kind of stunk last season. Taj Washington, you know, he just kind of drew the long straw. It just seems that you know, if you play receiver for USC, you can catch two, you can catch nine. It just kind of depends on how much they're going to use you. Um, Deion Burke's not 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 familiar with him, but interesting that um, maybe he's the guy in the new Hudson card offense there for Purdue. Um, Xavier Leggett, not a name I know. We'll just keep an eye out for him. This next one is really interesting to me. Eric Brooks, not familiar with him. And this is why I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this. When we did the Mountain West preview, you know, I was really sold on Fresno's defense and they kind of made me look stupid in that regard, giving up so many points to Purdue. But, you know, they have a good quarterback that came in from, um, from Central Florida when he had a great game, Mikey Keem. And my biggest concern was, can they find a receiver? Because they lost basically anybody that was worth a crap that caught passes last season. And this is super promising. I know that it's the first game of Ryan Walters um, as a head coach. So maybe there were some transition issues there. 
but this is very, very promising. And in part one, I talked about, I'm, I feel more confident that Boise is dead money in the Mountain West uh, champs pool. Um, man, this is really encouraging for Fresno State. One of the big question marks, there's a piece that seems like it might fit nicely in there. Um, Anthony Simpson for UMass, uh, two games kind of skewed that a little bit, but he's got the, he's got the moon God on his side. Uh, get well quickly, sir. We talked about J. Michael Sturdivant a little bit about UCLA. He was a big transfer coming in when a uh, ship was on our, our pod. Um, he liked that. He actually mentioned that as a big transfer in now, Coastal Carolina, their defense was just horrible last season. I mean, my gosh, 152 defensive apex. It's kind of like you've played you've every everybody that you're 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 facing, you're turning into Caleb Williams. So take it with a grain of salt, but that's a really good start for them. Uh Dylan Edwards is awesome for Colorado. Um Lincoln Victor, we spoke about the new Cam Ward led Ben Arkebuckle offense at Washington State, somebody to catch it. It was him against a good pass defense. Um, which really even makes that that Cam Ward performance even more exciting. My gosh. Um, and I have a I'm pretty, pretty certain that Brian Thomas Jr. did not play for LSU against LSU. So that's a mistake. My apologies. Um, so we'll see about that. Um, what do you think about uh, anything on here? Strike your fancy. Yeah, I'd say uh, Purdue and Fresno State. I mean, the thing is, that game was like, I think it was Purdue minus four and a half. They did lose the game. But I came away from thinking that those teams are actually both not half bad. Uh, I think like I thought Fresno was going to be bad this year after they lost Jay Kaner and basically a lot of other pieces. I'm like, okay, this could be rebuilding year, right? Especially when you're looking at a, a non a non a non P5 when you're looking at a G5 school, lose a quarterback, lose a couple other pieces. You're like, all right, that's it, rebuilding year, maybe even two rebuilding years. No, they're right back in it, taking down a Big Ten team. So that's very impressive to me. But additionally. On the flip side, man, Purdue with Hudson Card actually looked pretty good. Like, that's the yeah. best we've seen Hudson Card look in a while, even better than at Texas at, at some point. So, like, wow. Like, I, I think Purdue's against Virginia Tech, and for some reason, Virginia Tech is laying points. I have no idea why. Um, that's one I, I'm looking at already, and I'm like, I'd take Hudson Card over, I think, I don't even know who. Grant oh, Wells. Yeah, the, no, Grant no, Wells, no. yeah. No, not Grant Wells, is no. That... Yeah, so no, Brandon Armstrong's he's... NC State's quarterback. I don't even I don't know who that is, but yeah, like I'm looking at that. I'm like I, I kind of want to take uh, Purdue there. I mean, uh, Virginia Tech kind of kept Old Dominion hanging around pretty late into that game. Yeah, give me like that seems like a play already. Like I I don't understand why they're like Purdue. Purdue looked pretty good to me actually. Like I thought Purdue was going to be in trouble too. They were actually kind of, Purdue and Fresno were kind of the same team, both replacing their quarterbacks. And yeah. Now, both look pretty good. So, it, it, yeah, it is Grant Wells who really loves mm -hmm. to throw the ball to the other team. Um, <laughs> let's keep it at that. Although he managed to not do so this week. Mm -hmm. um, my top G Gabs, uh, G Gab ground game above Boston College. So basically, this is saying if Boston College ran the ball the same number of times as this team. How many more yards did you get? Um, so this is basically who has the top G gap so far. You can see that it skews in favor of teams that have played twice. And I've got basically the opponents and then their defensive G gap rank. Um, Florida State 
not surprising they run the ball well and Kent State literally lost everybody. I mean, everybody on defense and not in like a, a coach prime kind of way, more in like a, uh, oh my gosh, the hurricane has hit us kind of way. Uh, <laughs> USC, not surprising, very good run game. Um, I didn't know San Jose State was that good last season against the run, so but that, that offense is just ridiculous. South Florida, this is interesting. Um, you know, the the new coach, Alex Golish um, from Tennessee, this is a really promising start against a Western Kentucky team that I think is one of the, you know, one of the top in the G5. Um, Cal, you know, maybe North Texas is not great against the run, but, you know, really good start for their new offensive coordinator, Jake Spavital, um, which is an odd match for Josh Wilcox, but, hey, it, it's worked so far, at least for one game. Um Number five, Massachusetts, Moon God. What else can you say? Um, Wisconsin, you know, had their way with Buffalo. I think you made the point in part one. They probably just ran out of clock if they wanted to beat the spread. But, man, they ran the ball extremely well. Um, Auburn put it to UMass. Um, enough said. Hugh Freeze, good job. Nice opening. Um, likewise, good start for Tennessee against a good UVA defense. Um, TCU, for all their problems, they actually ran really well against uh, Colorado, and they probably feel kind of dumb losing that game when you run that well. Um, I think, you know, no, yeah, for all the teams that ran once, I think they're the highest ranked to not win. Well, South Florida actually lost, but, you know, different kind of opponent there. Um, and then San Jose State, I think that's aided by basically just facing USC's horrible run defense. So... What sticks out to you about this list? Yeah, I'd say the Tennessee one um, does a little bit. Uh, Tennessee with last year with Hannon Hooker and Joe Milton, they were basically a very strong passing team. Um, Hannon Hooker put up insane numbers. I mean, he also ran a lot too, but he put up a lot of insane passing numbers. And uh, Joe Milton did only pass for two passing touchdowns. Now, okay, that's like oh, only two, but the spread was two and a half. So like he 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 pretty much he he. He underperformed the spread by a little bit there, um, and they just ran it in a lot. Now, okay, that's fine, um, but again, you have Florida coming up in two weeks. If Florida can figure things out, their defense against Utah was not horrible after that first drive, right? So that's interesting. Cal being on any sort of top list is kind of interesting to me. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I guess the ACC is getting a steal there. Um, yeah. But – yeah, that one is that one is fascinating to me. They absolutely destroyed North Texas. I, I thought maybe North Texas could be an upset. I didn't actually touch that one, but man, that was uh, that was a good. Uh, they they just destroyed North Texas. Is Cal like Cal's only getting six and a half against Auburn? That's that's a potentially interesting game as well. And the other one that's fascinating to me is Central Florida. They are only laying three and a half against Boise. Um, mm-hmm. That one is. I I love yeah I I don't know why that's so low that that should be U, U, UCF all day I don't understand why it's so low um, maybe some people are still oh well they lost to Washington which is a good team so maybe Boise the market hasn't fallen out on Boise yet but like I'm looking at that and I'm like I want I want I want Central Florida there all day but I yeah I, I'll say this you know Central Florida I think their scrimmages are tougher than what they got against Kent State I just you know. That that was that's kind of a name your number game, mm-hmm. so we'll see about that. Um, but very fair point. Uh, market intelligence. So these are basically the 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 lines that I'm seeing that basically I think you know are are saying something and kind of worth noting. 
So, you know, Wisconsin at Washington State, we spoke about this in part one. Um, you noted that this line is way, way down from last season when it was at Wisconsin. That was a 17 and a half point game. I, I'm kind of wondering why this number went up from six, from four and a half to six and a half. Um, is, I mean, my God, Washington State looks so good. Is this the market just not believing in that yet? What what we saw versus Colorado State? I, I, I don't know. That's the thing that, that's interesting to me, right? I, I saw that four and a half, and I was like, I thought the first play was maybe Wisconsin, but now it's six and a half, and now I'm like, if this gets to seven, I think the play is Washington State. But I don't know. I mean, people were somewhat unimpressed with Wisconsin's uh, performance there against uh, uh, against uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. I don't know. I just – Something. I mean, I, I feel like one of these is a. There, one of these lines is bad. Like it, it's like this line is bad one way. I don't know if it's bad in favor of Wisconsin or bad in favor of Washington State. Like I feel like you're gonna take one side of this and you're gonna either think you're a genius or an absolute idiot for taking that bet. And like I don't know which. Like, I just don't know which one it is. I feel like it's Wisconsin because I think Wisconsin is a better team this year than last year, and I think Washington State, although they destroyed. Colorado State, which doesn't necessarily mean Colorado State might be in trouble in the MAC and in, in, in the in the in the Mountain West. I think Wisconsin might actually be for. I think people are like Wisconsin's for real. They'll actually do get, finish the job against Washington State. I think that's the only thing I could think of. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm really confused by this line as well. Um, but I'm probably not touching this not for a while at least. Yeah, that that's often where I land on some of these um, market intelligence. It's like okay. Note for later and just don't touch it this week. Um, Colorado giving three at home to Nebraska. Are, does that mean that Colorado Nebraska would be even on a neutral field? Uh, basically, yeah. I I also this is interesting because this actually after Colorado took down uh, TCU, this line moved to like uh, Nebraska minus like two and a half. I grabbed it at Colorado plus one and a half. I combined it with. I tried to do a six-point tease, but then it ended up being a six-and-a-half-point tease. So I actually have Colorado plus eight. Uh, for, for some reason, FanDuel only lets you do six-and-a-half-point teases. It's still it's to do with probability and, and the VIG, but whatever. It's not a big deal. Six, six-and-a-half doesn't really matter that much. So I've got Colorado plus eight, and I teased, um, I, I teased Notre Dame down to 0.5 against NC State. So I'm very happy with that result. NC State also not looking particularly great. Um, but I feel like that's enough for me on this. I... I think if this were to get higher, I think like if this got out to because this is at five, this was steaming towards seven. The fact that it's not at seven means that there is resistance back on Nebraska, and I feel like now if it goes if it starts going back out again, I'm on Nebraska here because I think there's a couple of things into this, and this is where this comes from, right? We were the books are lower we're lower on TCU this year. Their win total was seven and a half. This is a team that went and it's so weird, right? Because I normally say, oh, they won the Big Twelve, but they actually didn't win the Big Twelve last year. They just made the college football playoff without winning the Big Twelve, right? So like they were a college football finalist. They were penciled in to regress this year, not just by the books, but by us as well. So okay, Colorado beat a TCU team. I think TCU actually outgained them too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and again, this is what we talked about, this ma- this narrative, right? Okay, they beat TCU, then all of a sudden they're going to be favorites against Nebraska. Well, guess what? They are now, right? This is, I think, I think the books know this is an overreaction, and they're putting a line out there. It's a trap. They're like, go ahead, take Colorado. Make Colorado lay a points. 
I think they know this is going to be like Nebraska a field goal. Nebraska wins by a touchdown. Like weirdly enough, last year, last week, Nebraska's entire offense was Jeff Sims. He 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 passed for obviously 100 percent of the passing yards, and then he had like half of the rushing yards, which is nuts. He had like an insane percentage of the rushing yards as well. I am scared by laying by basically taking Jeff Sims and the points at three at three and a half four seven. I'm happier, but not the most happy, but happier. Um, but no, it's a very, I, I, I'm not, I'm not laying points with Colorado at this point yet, just because they beat a TCU team that I think is very suspect. So I'm, I'm staying away from this. If I, I'm, if I get some value on Nebraska, I'll take it, but I'm not laying any points with Colorado. You know, as you went through that, the more and more I was thinking that I, I definitely don't want to be one to jump on any kind of bandwagon. I like to go on the other side because that's where you can get a lot of value. But everything that you kind of just every data point that you said in terms of what happened last week just points to Colorado should be giving more. And maybe the takeaway is, you know what, Nebraska, Nebraska lost by three to Minnesota. And maybe the thing is, hey. Minnesota's pretty good, okay? Maybe they just didn't look awesome, but maybe Minnesota's defense, which has been really good for like the last three years now, maybe Nebraska's getting a lot of um, credit for that, and they're seeing a lot of relief against a bad Colorado. A bad Colorado defense, particularly compared to Minnesota, so maybe that's kind of like the, the takeaway here is Minnesota's defense is for real. Nebraska's getting a lot of credit for hanging with them because transitively this should be you know, Colorado by a lot more just on the face of it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I appreciate you walking me through that. Um, James James Madison, we spoke about this in part one. We'll speak about it a little bit later. Giving seven at West or at Virginia and the forty four total. So um, this tells me that basically, you know, if I kind of put the total and the and the the side together, um, pretty clear the market is not convinced on anything's been improved in the the Virginia offense. I think that's takeaway number one, two, and three from this. Yeah. I also think you're only getting seven because this is a power five against a, uh, this is a G5 against a power five. And they're like, we're not going to put what the real number should be here. Because if we do, then everybody's going to bet Virginia. People are like, what's James Madison? I've never heard of James Madison. Okay. Yeah. We'll take James Madison all day. Yeah. Then we'll we'll talk more about this one in a, in in a few minutes. Um, Iowa giving four at Iowa State. Iowa State had a really bad season last season. Um, I mean Iowa's Iowa. What can you say? I think there's two things. Probably there's some rivalry um, game aspect in this. And you know when we did the Big Twelve preview, I I said that I thought Iowa State would improve because either at that point um, Sam Deckers would you know he was the quarterback, and I said at some point before too long Campbell's going to bench this guy because he stinks and he'll just get tired of it. Um, and you know he got swept away in that gambling scandal. So his you know the backup I think his name is JJ Kohler. Um, this is just telling me that Deckers is not missed at all. Um, and actually what I thought was the avenue or the path for improvement for Iowa State is upon us. Because going off of last season, then you add in plus Cade McNamara for Iowa for whatever that's, you know, whatever epic battle there is between his competence and the incompetence of Brian Ferentz. Um, Iowa minus four. Now, granted, it's at Iowa State. That that says a lot about, I think, Iowa State more than Iowa. Fair? Yeah, this is this line is fascinating. I so 
spoiler alert very quickly, in a couple of slides, we're going to do a deep dive on Iowa. So I am going to focus mostly on the Iowa State side of this. Um, Iowa State, yeah, okay, they had a huge gambling probe issue, and they did beat an FCS team. That being said, they did actually get outgained by the FCS team in yardage, so that's concerning. It's um, like, here's the thing, looking at Iowa at minus four, like, my first thought was Iowa State all day, because Iowa did not cover the spread. We're going to talk about that in, in a bit more in a second, but I'm like, that was horrible. We're going to go Iowa State here, but then they got outgained by an FCS team, and I'm like, mm, that's not great, but they did they did, they did win. I don't think they, I'm not sure if they covered the spread, though, but the other thing is, apparently, Cade McNamara may or may not have been injured. He did, he did leave the game relatively late. It was mostly over at that point, but the, he did leave the game uh, late, apparently something with his foot or something. I don't know. I'm not sure if he's or foot or leg or something. I'm not sure if he's be playing or not. So there's possibly some of that built into the line as well. I don't know, man. This is just a, I, I just I don't want to touch this. This is a this is sick. This is I. Yeah. Uh, like no, yeah, I fe- and it's this yeah. isn't like hey, pull, pick a team. It's just like what can we learn? And I, I, I think it said Iowa State is not as bad. And you're kind of talking me into boy, this is same old Iowa. Um, you know what's interesting too? Iowa's defense obviously was was great last season. Um, I actually have Iowa State's defense not too far behind them. I had Iowa as a seven or a ten point eight. And Iowa State is a seven point eight. It's pretty close, and and Iowa State was in kind of a rebuild too. So, yeah, maybe, I I think the path is upon us. I don't know. I, I don't know if 30, there's any time 36 for thirty like, six the total, which is not oof. bad. That's awesome. Like this, <laughs> I think this game last year was like thirteen to ten. It was in a torrential downpour too. Iowa State did win that yeah. game last year. I feel like you take Iowa State. You take the under, and then you take Iowa State parlayed with the under, and you just say this game ends at a field goal either way. And I'm not sure which team wins that scores that field goal, but it doesn't matter because I'm getting four points. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair thing to say. And you yeah. just bet nothing else in this game. If they give you any sort of passing yardage prop, just bet under for it. And I don't know, just like uh, like Iowa State had a lot of unders last year. There's a lot of like really slow totals games that they played against a lot of Big Twelve teams. So I don't yeah. know, just. I'm not – we'll talk about Iowa in a second, but I'm not on Iowa. This is not great. So, <laughs> When you say not great, that, that that's really concerning. Um, Auburn given six and a half at Cal. This um, – I think this is showing that the market really believes what Cal did in North Texas because Auburn kind of did – okay, it looks like Freeze's will in his way. They ran it up against whatever FCS team they played. Um or no, they played UMass, pardon me. Um, you know, his defense is not half bad. And the fact that this is only six and a half, now granted it's at Cal, but Cal's not the toughest place to play. I'll just put it that way as, as a Pac-12 fan who's seen a lot of games there. This is showing a lot of faith in Cal. Um, that, that's how I interpret this. This is this is interesting. This I would have expected this to be a lot higher. This could have been like yeah. 13 and a half. This line is it's either going to be and it, it's such it's so suspiciously low that yep. a part of me thinks that you bet Cal here. Yep. Like I feel like this is going to be either Auburn wins this by 20 or Cal wins it outright. And like yeah. it's one or the, it's one of those two. And I feel like it, it it 
you're going to be like, well, of course that happened, right? It's like, of course Auburn destroyed them. Or, oh, that line was so short. Of course Cal won, right? Like, it's literally, I, and I suspect it's, it's the Cal one, right? We've seen this a lot in college football last year. This reminds me a lot of, I think it was when USC played Oregon State or when USC played Fresno State last year when the line was like six. And we're like, there's no way USC can't cover uh, 14 and a half against, uh, against uh, thing. Right. And, and sure enough, they didn't. Right. So I think that's exactly what we're looking at with uh, w- with with this. Right. I think I think this is a trap. And I think you bet Cal here. because This is also an SEC team. Right. How much is this added to an, an SEC team, a well-known SEC team? And you're like, maybe this like this probably would be a field goal. If this, if this was an, if you strip away the Auburn name and just make this a team, this is probably three and a half. And like, I, I think the play here is Cal. And I'll have to see if I play this or not. But like, I'm tempted to play this is for Cal. It's interesting, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm ex- extremely data driven in my decisions, but same exact thought process. My thought was, okay, you know, thirteen and a half seems like, yeah, maybe Cal can do a sneaky little thing. But the fact that it's, you know, half that, it's the classic um, somebody knows something line, and. I, I think to your point, just a really small money line play on Cal might be the way to go here. Um, I wouldn't even six and a half. Wouldn't I? I don't know. Not worth it to me. I'd much rather take money line and see what it, see what the money line is on that. Um, App State at USC. This interesting movement on here. Um, it opened at, at UNC, given fifteen and a half, and it went up a field goal. Um, the total actually went down a field goal. You know, this is telling me we've got kind of two narratives here that I, I saw before the season. So I mentioned it because it lines up with both of them. You know, when did the ACC preview, I liked um, UN, I liked, I liked how the departure of Phil Longo would affect the UNC defense. And we saw that against South Carolina, their defense was much better against South Carolina than basically all of last season. Um, and App State lost their off of their really good offensive coordinator to Auburn. I believe, um, and I expected them to struggle, and they struggled in the first half. So I'm thinking that's just kind of the convergence of those two is showing, you know, lying shading towards Carolina, the total going down, you know, basically just a little more belief in the in the UNC defense as it relates to the App State offense. Yeah, I am. I'm very iffy on this one. I after seeing UNC's defense really shut down. Uh, South Carolina, I think that's kind of what did it. App State was okay. I think they played an FCS team. I think um, they won. Yeah. And they looked pretty good. But again, it's that defense. Now, I know, and, and their offense is, App State's offense is a little worse. But I kind of think if you're playing something, you're playing 18 and a half, and you're just betting on a regression of a Mac Brown team doing something stupid or having a bad game in there. Because the thing was, to be fair about South Carolina, right, we, we didn't, last year they were not particularly good until very, at the very end when they took down, um, they took down uh, Tennessee and Clemson. Tennessee ending and Clemson, two people, yeah. Yeah, ending, ending two cultural playoff runs in, in two weeks. And then, but then after that, then I think they, uh, I can't remember if they won the bowl or not. I think they played. No, they lost to um, Notre Dame. They lost to Notre Dame in the bowl, right? And then yeah, they had two and then pick they, sixes. It wasn't even that mm-hmm. close. Yeah, and this is the thing, right? I think we were lower on on South Carolina's offense before. Then this happened. Then, then basically they had two amazing weeks and they lost the bowl. 
And then, then they struggle in, in this game against UNC, and now we're like, well, no, no, it's fine. They're, they were actually really good. UNC's defense was the thing that shut them down. It's like, well, no, they did just did a, they also just did a bunch of dumb things, too. Like, I, I, I still can't completely buy in on this UNC team. I, I don't, like, I, I think the defense is going to cost Drake May the Heisman at some point. Um, for that game, I the, the original spread in that game was two and a half. I did a really what I thought was a really smart play was the second UNC scored bet the seven and a half and that was a very smart play for mo for the first part of the, the first half of that game mostly, but then UNC scored and they scored again and then they just kind of blew it away. But I thought that was a very smart play. I don't know if if there's anything you're playing in this game, it's App State, but I I don't know if I could justify it. I just if there is a play, it's App State, but I just I just I don't know. I I, I can't. It's I'm having a hard time justifying that. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a play. I, I kind of looked at this uh, as a possible play before on North Carolina, but the fact that it moved already against me so much, uh, I'm passing on that. Um, lastly, we talked about this one a little bit in part one. Charlotte at Maryland, the total of 51.5 is interesting to me. Now, I didn't put the the spread. The spread is 24.5, so that implies that Maryland is going to score, doing the math in my head, 37, 38 points. And I think at any point last season, the team total for Maryland would have been probably about mm, low 50s. So this goes back to what I mentioned, you know, that huge turnaround. And against it was, again, it was only against South Carolina State, but I think Charlotte's defense is way better already than what we saw last year. That That's what I take away from this one. Yeah. I'm I'm really intrigued by this one. I, that 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 spread seems a bit too high, honestly. Um, but I don't know. Let's see what Charlie can do. We were kind of high on them. Let's see. Let's see if they can kind of meet our expectations or not. But that's just an interesting one to kind of put away and, and see what the result is. Yeah, I was skeptical. I just have there's a, they're a blank slate. I mean that that new coach who's you know I don't know he was a chief of staff to Harbaugh. He wasn't even a position coach, and who knows if he has the Harbaugh weirdness that goes with it. I. Don't know. And then he had a really interesting, I don't know if you remember that, he had the really interesting press conference and we talked about that in the American preview where they only had three questions and he got upset. Nobody cares about us. Message received. And they just, I don't know. I I can see him being along with Harbon very well, I'll just say that. Um, Maybe maybe there could be an upset. I mean, like, Maryland is not always the best. Sometimes they play down to their level. Maybe. Maybe there could be an upset here. I'll look at it more. Okay. All right. That takes us to deeper dives. Um, do you want to educate us on, on why Iowa is so awesome? Yes. So so before uh, this season started, um, in, in our previews, I said um, Iowa would be th- – th- I, I questioned whether or not they'd be better, um, but I did say that they might be a team where we might want to play alt spreads because they're going to try to save um, Brian Ferentz's job. So they're going to probably try to lay on certain points against kind of lower quality teams. And one of those teams was going to be Utah State, their week one opponent. And this is what happened in this game. So this is why Iowa is not okay. A short presentation by Robert Martin. So uh, the, game, the score of the game this weekend was Iowa 24, Iowa State 14, which isn't good because the spread in the game was Iowa minus 24, and they scored 24 points. So that's not good. Um, and you look at yardage. It was Iowa 284 yards uh, to use Utah State's 329 yards. The offense was supposed to be better. Why is it not better? So let's go through drive by drive this <laughs> Iowa game 
and then we'll figure out why this didn't happen. So the first drive, they had a 54-yard, I believe it was a punt return. So that's, that's good. That's good. Then, first offensive Iowa play of the season, run. Classic. That's, that's how you do it. That's how you win football games. Second down, 36-yard touchdown pass. That's great. That's that's good. That's a positive change. That's that's good. That's exactly what you want for an offense. Second drive. So they passed on three out of the four first downs. That's good. That's another positive thing. Again, showing aggression on first down ends in another touchdown. So this is 14 to nothing now. That's great. This is what you should be doing against a, a G5 school. Then the third drive. This is when things start changing a little bit. So again, the passing on first down. See two for two on, on that. And then they were at fourth and one on the Utah State uh, 29-yard And then they decided to, to go for on fourth down. They channeled their inner Brandon Staley, and they, they went for on fourth down. Rush for no gain. Oh, no. We left points on the table, guys. We could have gotten three points is 10% of a game's allotment worth of the points that Brian Ferentz has to get. So this is kind of the turning point when things kind of started to change. So the first drive... Uh, on the fourth drive, they run on first down. Again, we've stopped passing on first down. Now we're going back to running on first down. Three and out. Fifth drive, we go back to passing on first downs. Two for two passing on first down, but it is a punt. So kind of went back to it, but again, ended pretty quickly. Sixth drive. Now this is when this gets interesting, and this is kind of the illustrative example of why this philosophy is not is not working. So they went one for two passing on first down. So they had basically two first downs on the one of the one for passing, and eventually they get down to first and goal on the Utah State eight. So first down, and this is with seconds left. This is about a minute or so left in the half. So this is basically the last meaningful offensive possession of the half. So first and goal from the Utah State eight. What do you do? Well, we're Iowa, so we're going to run, of course. Gain five, classic. So, okay, but here's the thing. That's not actually bad. Now you're only three yards away from the end zone. Okay, so second and goal. What do you do? Well, we're Iowa, so of course we're going to run again. Only gain one yard, though, so that's not bad. We're very close now. So now that brings up third and goal. From it's ESPN's at the third, but I guess it's probably between the third and, and the three and the, the two and the three yard line. But whatever. Okay. So now, okay, what are we going to do now? Well, oh no, it's third down. We got to get we've got to get a new set of downs, so we're going to pass, of course. But that unfortunately falls incomplete. So now here's the thing: we're on an opponent's three yard line. Rushing is usually working to get us a couple of yards. Passing has also been working pretty well. And there's only seconds left in the game. So what are we going to do? Of course, we're going to kick a field goal. Because that's what we do as Iowa. We kick a field goal, right? And this is the thing, right? There is no reason why you should have kicked that field goal. That should have been going for it, going for the throat, getting up 21 nothing at the half. Perfect. That would have been great. Set you up to score another couple touchdowns right off the half. Get 35. You get off the field, you're good. Everybody's happy. But no, we're going to make it 17-0. Um, again, people, people are going to say, well, no, they made it a three-score game. Well, you're playing a Mountain West team. Of course, it's, it should be a three-score game. But it shouldn't be two touchdowns and a field goal. It should be three full touchdowns. Coming back after the half. Here we go. Seventh drive. Two for two, rush on first down. Here we go. So then the eighth drive, we're going to do two for two, passing on first down. But then we start getting... Then we go back to classic Iowa. So then we're three for three, run on first down. That ends in a touchdown. It's a 24 to six lead. 10th drive, we run it. 11th drive, we run it. Both those ended punts. And then the 12th, we take a knee to end the game. So in conclusion, the aggression was there for a little bit. And then they got stopped on fourth down. And then that burned them because they lost points. And then like, we're never doing that again. So offensive personnel. So of the, four, of the 18 passing completions to Iowa that Iowa had in that game, 
uh, only four of them went to wide receivers. 77% of their passes were completed to tight ends. Oh, God. For comparison, four of 49 USC at Caleb Williams passes have gone to tight ends. I... That is an amazing Wait stat. Wait a minute. Are you saying that Iowa's not USC? This, this That's pretty controversial. I don't know. So, you might want to rethink that one, okay? I've made a, I've made a useful comparison chart for, for Iowa here. So here's Zach oh Wyatt Branch, a wide receiver here, wide receiver, highly touted uh, wide receiver for, for USC. Here's some advantages of wide receivers. Uh, they are fast. They can get behind a deep back or safety. Uh, they're impossible to tackle in open space. And literally, a completion could just be a TD, just because because you hit him at the right point in the stride or whatever. That's the advantages of wide receivers. However, there's some advantages to tight ends. They can lift an entire keg of beer above their head. And they can turn a, a run from a three-yard gain to a four-yard gain. That's how we win football games. That, this that's is, 33%. Yeah, that's a, that's a massive increase. This is how we win this. And again... USC might have to play Iowa next year, so watch out, Lincoln Riley. There's going to be, like, so many tight ends on the field, you have no idea. So, in conclusion, um, getting a QB does not fix a run-first system. Um, it turns out that that is not the solution. Um, they're apparently barely even trying to save Brian Ferentz's job because in the last couple of series, they actually just stopped playing the, they, to stop the – they pulled the starters, so – that's great. Apparently, they're just like, yeah, we're not even going to try because this is again one of your easiest games. Are you going to put twenty? Are you going to put thirty some odd points up against Iowa State? No. This is the closest thing you're going to get to playing a bad team. You could have crushed them and basically made it so you have to score less points in in future weeks. Apparently, that was completely lost on them. And the worst part about this whole thing is the defense is actually regressing. They actually lost the yardage game to a Mountain West team, which is never a good sign. Um, that means that if the defense is regressing, this could end really quickly. And yeah, last point, things can get bad. This could be pretty bad. This could be potentially like six and six, five and seven. Um, again, the only thing keeping this Iowa team up has been this defense. If suddenly this defense isn't good, suddenly this Iowa team is in deep trouble. And, uh, yeah, that is the end of my uh, presentation. Okay. I've got a few reactions here. First of all. Um, as a USC guy, I'm just agog and aghast that Zachariah Branch made it anywhere near that. Um, so thank you for that. Secondly, for reference, um, Utah State, I had their defense ranked 102nd last season. Um, so I don't think it's like they're going to make this up later against Minnesota. I'll just put it that way. Or Illinois' mm -hmm. defense. Um... I'm wondering if they actually maybe just scripted or maybe how do I put this? Maybe the scripting early in the game allowed for the relatively more aggressive slash normal play calling. And once they got past the script, they just turtled back into their comfort food of, you know, between the tackles and, and, and punt. Um, I'm guessing I, maybe they didn't read the contract. Maybe they did read the contract and this is what they want. Um, and finally going back to channeling their, their inner Brandon, um, Staley, um, the fact that they, they failed on the fourth down conversion. I think that also means that they channeled their inner Iowa <laughs> food for thought yeah. on that. Well, no, that is actually interesting, right? Because you make a good point about the scripted drive, right? Because first of all, they get a 54 yard punt return to start the game. Then they get, um, and then they basically get a 36-yard touchdown 
They get a one run, 36-yard yeah. touchdown pass. So they're barely through the script at that point. So they're just like, I, I guess yep. we just start from the beginning of the script, right? And then you try that again, and then they got a touchdown on the second drive. And then they're like, okay, now we're off script. Run it now, so then we go back to start running again. And like, but you can very clearly see that line when they try to go for it on fourth down, and then they got snake bit, and they're like, yeah, maybe we should, we should just take the points now. We should just take the points. It's better to take the points, right? And like, again, it's just like – this offense is this system is bad. It is it is not good. And I, I expected them to try to save his son's job, and apparently they're just like, eh, it's fine. Like, you could have kept the starters on the field to get a couple extra points. Like, not even to, to cover the spread, but like you underperformed by one point. That's another point you're gonna have to make up in the other uh uh what, the other uh, eleven games, right? So like like they there that was just very bizarre. <laughs> It, it might be a matter, too, of some kind of like, um, I don't know if it's Game of Thrones, but some kind of palace intrigue thing where, you know, some of the courtesans um, are in are in um, Kirk's ear and they actually want Bryant gone, but they're convincing him, hey, just, you know, it's going to work if you just stick with the same offense that you've always run. You know, that's the way to get to 25 points a game. That's the and, and maybe it's just like, yep, you know what? You're right. You're right. This is what we do, and it's always worked. And so, you know, there's like three sneaky little guys just planting that 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 seed, just saying, "Yeah, don't change anything. Get this jerk out of here, and finally we can." <laughs> well, is that is that the thing, right? Because it's like, well, I can't really fire my son, so. Yeah. And you're like, well, here's this contract, and it'd be like, oh, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, your system always would work. You just need you need the, you need the right people to execute. It's like, yeah, you're right. Like, I yeah, you know what? Actually, I could see that. This is kind of the backdoor way of getting rid of him. Be like, ah, oh, didn't get to 25 yeah. points, but came so close. Oh well. The contract says you have to be fired now, so I have no control. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, my deeper dive. Uh, it's not any more kind. I'll just say that. Um, my deeper dive is on Jeff Halfley, the BC head coach. Um, just the uh, the absolute star performer in the uh, home loss to Northern Illinois, on which we both cashed. Yay. Uh, a little bit of a background on Mr. Halfley. He was a college and NFL position coach through 2018. Um, he was the defensive coordinator for one season at Ohio State um, in 2019. They had a, a defensive rating in my metrics of point thirteen, plus 13, which was the best in FBS. That defense was awesome. This was the LSU season, and I actually had Ohio State ranked a little bit higher in total. That's how good that defense was. Um, and after on the strength of that, um, BC hired him as his head coach since 2020. Now, being a defensive guy, um, you know, I always look for my proof of concept. So the season before he came on board, the last season under the, the great Steve Adazio, um, Boston College's defense was a minus seven. Uh, his first two seasons, he improved them to a minus 2.8 and then basically a zero. So there's been some improvement. Then last season they regress. Okay, that kind of thing happens. But here's the problem. The ACC is a pretty mediocre conference, and the average ACC defense during this whole time is a, is a plus 0.7. So in three seasons, he hasn't even fielded an average defense in a crappy conference, and that's his calling card. Um, and I looked at basically, okay, the last three games as a touchdown plus favorite – He's lost straight up. You know, um, 2002, he lost the opener to Rutgers as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Not easy to do. Rutgers is not good, folks. Um, then he lost that game at Connecticut as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. 
this is when Connecticut was just trying to fight through like all those injuries they suffered. Um, I don't remember if your model had it, but I think we both, our, our models both had this and it was one of those, I can't see it, but I'll, I won't argue with the model and Connecticut won straight up, obviously. Um, nice money line on that. And along the same lines, opener against Northern Illinois, eight and a half point favorite, um, lost in overtime. And going back to the top here, I think this is kind of informative here. The fact that he was a defensive coordinator for just one season and before that of just a position coach, I think that he just, you know, he just doesn't get what it means to be a head coach. I mean, only one season. It's not like this is a guy that sat as a, as a great defensive coordinator for five years and really sat in the seat next to the guy and said, okay, I understand what it takes to run an elite program. You know, he's been a position coach all but one year before he, he was a head coach. So really bad hire by Boston College. And, you know, I think you mentioned in, in part one that we had overlooked really, I don't know, how much of a hot seat this guy's going to be on. So I'm giving you the definition of a term here, and I'm going to see if you can identify what it is. The definition is, this is kind of like Jeopardy. The time required for any specified property, for example, the concentration of a substance in a body, to decrease to decrease by half. Do you know what term that is? Oh, Half-Life. Half-Life. That is our name for Jeff Halfley. It is Jeff Half-Life because the likelihood of him returning as a Boston uh, College head coach, I think it decreases by half about every two weeks here. So I think if, if we go about six weeks in, he's got a 10% chance of returning. Does that seem fair to you for Mr. Half-Life about uh, a two-week Half-Life on his uh, likelihood of returning? Sounds about right. Actually, just quick fact. Uh, you mentioned that Ohio State 2019 defense. Uh, I just looked up that defense right here. Chase Young, Jeff Okuda. Mm -hmm. Jeff Okuda, uh, yep. Yep. Bunch of NFL first-round draft picks there. Um, so, yeah, that's – and again, this is the same thing, right? It's like guy comes in, has a ton of talent, yeah. coaches them well, gets a job, but has no idea how to coach lesser talent, right? And I think that's the problem is like, okay – like that, that defense and a bunch of people in the NFL, right? And now he's going to Boston College where none of them have gone to the NFL, right? So, um, yep. and even then, um, their wide receiver last year, Zay Flowers, he got a lot of NFL hype and he was not good yep. for them, but apparently he might actually be pretty good with the Baltimore Ravens, right? So, this is again, he couldn't get that talent level out of him, right? But now the NFL, like, it is extremely rare that you, like, generally wide receivers are seen as good. Like, usually wide receivers will have, like, insane numbers coming out of college. The fact that uh, the NFL was so willing to take a shot on some guy who didn't have those kind of numbers means that they thought this guy was good. But the fact that he didn't have those numbers at Boston College meant that they were not getting the, the full out of him. Right. And I think that's a huge problem for Boston College. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good point. I think if there's like an opposite, if you look at, OK, what's amazing about what Colorado did, you know, literally a whole new team. That offense is completely new guys from all over the place, you know, OC from Kent State all new offensive line and they put up 45 in, in week one, which is unreal. And I think what he did is kind of the exact opposite. It's like, okay, you didn't screw it up. So that bad, you know, you didn't have to congeal anything. You basically just called a bunch of nice plays and moved on and have since proved that basically you called a bunch of nice plays and that's about it. All right. Um, buck the bookie. So this is the game that we're going to play this season. Um, basically how this works is this is for futures only. Uh, you and I each start with a thousand points. 
you can, and you've, you've talked about Texas a lot. So maybe we use Texas as an example here, since you seem so keen to bet on Texas. Um, Rather you against can play Texas. a future. Okay. Uh, well, I, you have to use either the DraftKings price. This is just to prove that, you know, it, it's my choice to go, go against the dopes at DraftKings. You can go against, you can say, hey, I want to, I want to go with, I had not get Texas at DraftKings for X. And you can see if, or you don't have to say their price. You can just say, hey, I want to, I'm, I'm interested in Texas and see what I would offer them. So mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll give you plus 220 on Texas to win the Big 12. So no. you can take my price. No. You can take the DraftKings <laughs> price or you can just move on. So the points that you bet come out of your account and into mine, just like, you know, I'm a pretend bookie. Uh, mm-hmm. If you use DraftKings, it just comes out of your account and that's it. Just like you booked a bet with them. If you win DraftKings, it just goes back in. If you win and you book my bet, it comes out of my account. Okay. That makes sense? So that's uh, okay. So- and where is the most points between you and I wins and the loser has to make a small contribution to the charity of the choice of the winner. Okay. So you're you're putting – you would put Texas at plus 220 to win? Yeah. I want your money. I got to win this thing. Yeah. I have to entice I mean, you. I still, I mean, I, I, my price, <laughs> like, what number would you actually, like, I, I'm not taking that. I was like, what, like, like five to one, six to one? Maybe I think about it at six or seven to one. I can't tell you that. I'm booked the bookie. I'm trying to win this game. I'm okay. giving you a great bargain. I'm giving you twice the market. No, I'm, that's still not enough for me. Um, all right, hey, you got all season, all and this is just futures. You know, I'm not going to do games because we, we know the lines enough. All right, enough. what yeah. about what about? Cause I'm on I'm on bet three six five. Um, one second, regular nope, season it has wins. to be the DraftKings price. Has it's got to be the DraftKings price. Okay, yeah, I, that's what I, I want to go against. That's okay. my competition. I don't know if DraftKings has. They have everything. Did they have win totals currently? Are win totals? Oh, they do have win totals. Okay. Oh, they have more win totals, man. Okay, here we go. Texas under nine and a half plus one thirty. Under nine and a half. I'm gonna, right. gonna you beat that. To, price. You don't have to. You don't have to quote me their price, because you're kind of helping me. Um, okay. Nah, I'm not. I'm not gonna beat that. You can. You can. Okay. You can. You can take that. Do you want to do you want right. to do how many I got points a thousand, you want to do on that? I got a thousand points. Yeah, I'll put fifty points on that. Okay. And then, what do they have on Ohio State? Ooh, nine to one. Ooh, that's kind of tempting. And what is LSU that? So in the national championship, LSU thirty-five okay. to one. Huh. Let's see here. And this is this goes on for the whole season. You don't have to do them all yeah, right now. Not all right now. No. Yeah. You can um, do it at any point. Yeah, oh wow, yeah, yeah. they have all of the. Oh, they have all of the, the division. They have all the conferences. Some of the books don't even have all the conferences. Yeah, okay. They have division winners huh. too. Yeah. Wow. They nice. Offer a okay. Lot and they don't know how to manage it. No, they do not. Um, I, I give me. I might regret this one, but give me another fifty points on Ohio State nine to one. You want you want to take DraftKings? You don't yeah. even ask my price. Okay. Okay, fine. What, what's your, fine. What's your price then? What's your price? 
I'm going to do the Price is Right thing. I'm, I'll, I'll say nine ten. I'll give you an extra. I'll give you extra ten percent. Interesting. Okay, I'll I'll put fifty dollars on yours then. 50, 50, 50 points. Points dollars the same thing. Ohio State national champions. Okay. All right, and we got plenty of time, so yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I'll uh, I'll add a graphic for next time just so we can trap keep track of this. Okay. Okay. Looking ahead, so um, <clears throat> wow, yeah. Let's look ahead because our solo play sucked. Somehow we went zero and seven on on the games where we didn't agree. Although on the games where we did agree. Um, we went three and one with a plus 44% ROI. We got a little juice there because we had Florida state money line mm -hmm. for us. Uh, I kind of feel like I'm stuck with you for a while. Don't take that the wrong way, but, um, <laughs> you're stuck with me. Oh, yeah. and seven combined. Not really impressive. Um, so these are the games we decided to, to get into a little bit. I've got the current line. Uh, hopefully that's kind of current. Your model and then my brain's uh, line. Um, this first one is fascinating. I'd love to you to explain the guy who's a yeah. Texas skeptic. Um, yeah. Bama getting so, 42. Yeah. So so the thing is, for some of these games, the mm -hmm. mo there's some weird things with, with the model early. Um, the model has a weird tendency of breaking sometimes uh, based on a couple – because I'm only using player data from the one game. Uh, yeah. So some things break. So that's okay. So kind of ignore that one. Any extreme outliers, just kind of ignore them. Um, I'm all over Bama here. I don't know why that broke. I'm not sure if it's on the Texas side or the Bama side that the model broke. It broke on one side. I'm not sure. But probably the Bama side, I'm assuming. So um, something went weird with Bama. So just uh, give me Bama here. I'm just going to ignore that one because it's still – I'm still fine-tuning the model with the new season's data. So that one's very weird to me. I'm not touching it. Yeah, we um basically at the end of um at the end of part one we got into a little bit about the case of this. Um and maybe I'll just kind of start with how we ended that, and that is hey, our guy Sarkeesian got outcoached by Steve Adazio at Boston College. Um maybe that's just enough of a data point here. Um I you know, the the little background for that is USC wasn't able to run the ball against a much more talented Boston College team. I think they were like 16 or 17 point favorites. Boston College wins. Um, I think I'm not a believer. I guess I'd say I'm a skeptic about the Bama quarterback room still, but I'm more of a skeptic about, you know, Sark in this spot. Yeah, he came close last season, but that was, um, you know, I, I'm just not convinced. I think that that was, you know, kind of their high point. And maybe he gets them to high point again this season. I don't know. Maybe that's why they were so whatever against Rice. They were looking forward to this game. We're we're, we're stacking conjecture upon conjecture here, and I will go with what I know, and that's basically I'll I'll, I'll take Bam as well. Mm -hmm. I will say that for some of these, the the for when the line was last week, I think I had like Bama minus twenty. So something really weirdly broke in the model there. There, yeah. there is some weird stuff where the model will like, I think if, if I had, I think if Jalen, I think Jalen Miller had like the, the problem actually might be the quarterback. Garbage stuff. time so soon. 
No. So what happens is if he had more passing attempts last season, it uses his last season stats rather than this season stats. Mm, so yep. then basically, because he he was he played against Arkansas, but he wasn't great against Arkansas. And I think he played in another game too. Um, I can't remember if he played against Auburn. I, he was. I, I think he, he he played sometime last year. So his stats last year. It's it's some weird stuff. It's sometimes the model has some weird breaks, especially early in the season. It'll clean up next year, next in a week or two. But no, that that shouldn't be plus forty two. That should be probably closer to closer what's in your brain to minus twenty. So assume that's a combined model play from what the model said last week. Okay, uh, and pretend model just to be clear because mm-hmm. it's this is my brain, not it's not both models. Yes, pretend model. Yes. Um, yeah. Just one thought too. Bama played Middle Tennessee last season and they like made light bend in my model because they had that weird, they blew up Miami and then they lost by like a hundred to James Madison. Um, and that just kind of screwed up everything for, mm-hmm. for weeks and weeks. I don't know if there's a little residue of that since, since Bama Maybe. played Middle Tennessee. Um, all right. UCLA at San Diego state. You have this even surprisingly. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's, broken or maybe it's the Dante Moore thing or maybe you probably have Ethan Garber still in there. He's yeah, I still stunk. have him starting. Yeah. That's okay, the that thing. I still have Ethan that. Garbers. I have that. I also think my model is out on Coastal Carolina. Um so I think that's the other thing too. It's like okay, you beat them but not particularly convincing and I, yeah, my model at least one weekend goes with the t- the quarterback who threw the most passes. That was uh, Garbers last week. Um so that's why it's probably on him. So I I don't know if I missed, but also it, it. I think also because uh, San Diego State played the FCS team. Sometimes when it plays an FCS team, it screws up too. So I think that's probably a part of it too. I'm gonna try. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna this week. I'm gonna add something to the model that basically says if an FBS team plays an FCS team, just ignore that game. Don't do anything with that. And I think that yeah. might clean up this part as well. So I, I don't want to particularly play this because they the, there was a fourteen and a half. They didn't cover it against. Coastal Carolina team that they kind of dominated. So uh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't mind playing it, but I'm not the biggest. If it's Dante Moore, then yeah, maybe he they can cover it. He he actually looked really good in that game. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely taking uh, UCLA here. I um yeah, Jesus that opener for San Diego State. It's not even like they were well. I don't know. Um, maybe that was a sandwich game between Ohio and UCLA. But Jesus, I mean. That's just more Brady Hoke magic. I mean, I, it, it, man, geez, now that I'm speaking about it more. You have, they beat a pretty good Ohio team, but Curtis Rourke was out for most of that game and they still struggled against, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you know, you, great, you beat the Warriors without Seth Curry or Steph Curry. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's kind of what they did there. Um, and then they struggle with Idaho State, and I think probably nobody, you know, they just people say, "Oh, they won." Um, well, it was close, and Idaho State really, really stunk. Like I said in part one, I mean, one win last season, they gave it thirty-seven points a game in FCS. Um, mm-hmm. UCLA's defense is going to be a lot proved this season, so I really like UCLA here. All right, we're on different sides here. SMU at Oklahoma. Um, I think you chose this one. Um, and your model actually shows this as an SMU play, maybe? Yeah, it's interesting because a week ago it didn't. My model actually had like 18 and a half, and then running it again today now is 13 and a half. But again, it's a bunch of like, oh, okay. Because the thing is, 
I, I have to update it with the, with the most recent running backs and wide receivers because there's a good chance that a lot of the running backs and wide receivers aren't even playing in FBS anymore. Some of them are in the NFL. Some of them are on different teams. So I have to make the update. But then what happens is it's like – so when you look at different passing situations, it's like, oh, okay, say um, – say Dylan Gabriel threw like two passes behind the line of scrimmage and like both of them were incomplete. Well, then it's like, well, he's just never going to complete a pass to someone behind the line of scrimmage. Right. Like it's that kind of issue that hmm. plagues the model in week one and, and, and week two, right? Size so stuff. very small sample size for some of this stuff yeah. or like, Oh, say that, say a guy, like he caught all the passes, like he caught all the passes, basically Dylan Gabriel threw once behind the line of scrimmage and someone caught it for gain and no yards. Well then, now saying, okay, well, he's only going to complete a, it's all behind the line of scrimmage plays are going to be for one. And last year he did that a ton. Right. So there's a lot of weird stuff in there. I I'm, I'm kind of on, on, I'm really surprised though, that Oklahoma is that SMU is this low, but I'm actually on, I am out on Oklahoma here. They looked terrifying against Arkansas state. Like there's like, okay, Arkansas state is bad, but then there's also like, we absolutely destroyed them and it doesn't matter. Like, okay, you beat a bad team, but like you still absolutely annihilated that bad team. And I'm still on Oklahoma for that. I think Oklahoma, like Oklahoma is another team I could be looking at to win the big 12. I don't think Texas is going to win it. And I don't mind the like plus 200 plus 300 on that. Like Kansas and Oklahoma could potentially be the, could win the big 12. Uh, yeah, I actually had Oklahoma and Kansas state playing, but um, during our podcast, I don't remember if you did too, but I actually, during the, the preview of the big 12 with uh Big 12 Mafia, Brandon, I actually, he talked us into both grabbing Kansas. Uh, mm-hmm. I got him at plus, uh, plus 4,000. Um, mm-hmm. JMU Same. at UVA, we actually spoke about this in part one a little bit. I, you know, I like that JMU is settled on a quarterback with whom I'm familiar and I really, really like. Um, the only way I think this doesn't cover is if there's some kind of miraculous, um, you know, High point of the season, emotional comeback. This is their first home game since the the horrible shooting at, at you know, where they actually lost three players. So I feel bad crapping on them too much, but man, I just, th- this is a two score game at least. You know, my brain had it at 13. Your model has it at 23 and a half. And as soon as I got your um, your model, I I grabbed that because that's the one that's evident right on the on the face of it. This is a play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've got this too. And the thing is, again, like their offense looked very bad against, I think they got, like I think two field goals and a touchdown against Tennessee. Um, the, the Tennessee's defense is good, but like not that good. So like I, this team could be really bad on offense, and their defense didn't particularly stop Tennessee either. So again, it, it, it's hard for what's happening with this Virginia team, but at the same time, like that was a year ago. Like it's still fresh in their memories, but like, like if you can't, like, why is this team playing games then? If this is still like. Right, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, un- understood. Um, it's kind of a hard argument to make. I'll just say that um, yeah. elegantly. Um, yes. All right, Stanford at USC. Um, you, gosh, I don't know. Your model is in love with Caleb Williams and everything about USC. Um, Apparently, I have the line pretty close. I've got it as a thirty-two game, fifty-six points. Um, maybe I, I, your model mm-hmm. just like looks at the high rate reel. So. <laughs> Kind of. So the thing is, I think my model still has a lot of data from last season, and it's like, oh man, Hawaii's bad. And uh, I think it's actually kind of unimpressed by Stanford's win against Hawaii, because Hawaii actually kept it somewhat close. They didn't cover the spread, but they kept it somewhat close. It's like, oh man, you let Hawaii get close, but like, 
we know that Hawaii like almost beat Vanderbilt, right? So I think the model is seriously downplaying Hawaii. I think Hawaii was actually like not is actually not bad. And I think the Stanford team might actually surprise you. So I'm actually on Stanford here. I actually like the Stanford plus the points here. Um, I I just think that Stanford really? had a Stanford had a really really good running attack against Hawaii. They could not stop them. And I I mean USC's defense is probably better than Hawaii's. Um, but like, are they that much better than Hawaii's? I don't necessarily know. I think, and Stanford's quarterback was actually pretty good too. Like, I was really surprised by how good he was and how good that running attack was. And the thing is, it made Hawaii look bad. So that means that either Vanderbilt is horrible this year, or it means that Hawaii is actually not bad. And at that point, then Stanford should cover this easily. This could be an actually like not, this could be like a sneaky test for USC. Uh, the thing is, like, USC destroyed Nevada, but at the same point in time, they didn't cover the spread against uh, San Jose State. And San Jose State got obliterated by Oregon State. They scored, I think, uh, 17 or something. 17 yeah, they or 13, seven, yeah. 17 against Oregon State when they put up, like, 28 against USC. So that means Oregon State has a much better defense than USC. And just by transitive property, it means that San Jose State may not actually be that good. So the fact that San Jose State covered this 30-point spread against thing makes me think that I think Stanford could give – I think Stanford could actually give USC a bit of a run for their money here. It sounds like you're saying surprisingly competitive. I think so, yeah. Okay, very fair. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not going to bet this one, but um, can't really disagree with you. So you're going against your own model, though. Interestingly enough, um, I, I, I'm going against the model because I see the, I, I kind of see the the short side. I, I see where it has, the... yeah, because it's like okay, it's thinking that Hawaii is really bad, and it may be better this year, right? Like again, the same thing as Colorado. Colorado is like I think a, I think in the model, Colorado is like a thirty point underdog to Nebraska. Like that's not happening, right? Like clearly they're better than that, but mm-hmm. the model has like eleven games of Colorado being horrible, and like one game of them being amazing. And, like, I bet you any money now it's going to say TCU is horrible, too. It's like, oh, well, you lost to Colorado. It's like, well, it's a completely different Colorado team. So some fine-tuning needs to be done in this model. Again, I, I we couldn't yeah. get a lot done for tonight because the Duke game happened last night, and I kind of need to rush to get this stuff in here, and it seems that a couple things broke, specifically Alabama for some reason. I'm not sure what happened there, um, but a couple of things seem to have broken. So, yeah. It, week one, uh, it's going to yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. Um Air Force at Sam Houston. I really like Air Force. I'm almost a little bit concerned about how short this line is, but I just, man, Air Force's defense is solid, and um, solid is not what I think of about the Sam Houston offense. Um, This is going to come down to, I guess, you know, if I just kind of talk through this, how comfortable am I if I am backing Sam Houston that they can stay, you know, that they can really slow down Air Force's triple option, which is by far the best in, in FBS. It's not like you're playing, you know, crappy Navy or, you know, kind of lesser version army. I mean, this is the real freaking deal here. And, um, I'm just having a hard time thinking that, you know, Sam Houston can basically do what mountain West teams struggle to do, um, who are more familiar with air force and, and, and really slow them down. So, you know, I have this over, over a three score game. Yeah, I again, Sam Houston State is a weird one in which there's something weird with the PFF data. It doesn't have it 
there was a couple of conferences for the FCS that it didn't have team data for, and that's very, very weird. Um, but we're going to uh, – I'm going to see if it's Sam like So basically I'm going to have to add Sam Houston State and some of the other ones that made the jump from FCS to FBS into, into the model. And I think to do that, I, I assume we're going to have Sam Houston stuff. If not, then it's a problem on the on the PFF side. And I've I've actually already reached out to them. I'm probably going to reach out to them again tomorrow to see if they can fix this. But uh, yeah, I hope to have lines for Sam Houston State very soon. And some of the others. Again, you kind yeah, of on this one, like I yeah I, I I'm with you. I I think Sam Houston State's defense was good against BYU, but BYU was kind of very suspect, anyways. I think, again, just ground and pound this defense. Because the thing is, that defense was out there a lot against BYU. They were out there a lot because Sam Houston State gave BYU a ton of turnovers. They were out there a ton. They're going to be pretty tired. And now you're like, okay, now go play triple option team. Um, good luck. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm on air. I'd be on Air Force here, too. Okay. Um, UCF at Boise, um, you've mentioned this, uh, a couple times. Um, I'm not too far off in that line, but I think I'm still somehow clinging a little bit to the narrative, I guess, maybe of Boise's defense. Um, your model loves UCF here and based on your comments, I think that you really love them aside from your model too. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, you made you made a really good point in the thing, and, and, and you've made a point about the Boise's offensive coordinator. I think, yeah, I think what you said there is completely true. I think they put up a couple points, and then they just got completely shut down by Washington. I think this could go really bad now. Okay, UCF destroyed a Kent State team that's horrible this year. Okay. But they could actually be – like, they were never horrible. They weren't great. Like, I've always thought of UCF as like, okay, they're not bad, but they're not great. Um, but at the same point in time, I think okay is better than whatever Boise is right now. So give me, give me UCF here. I think this is way too short. I think three, three, three and a half is too short. Okay. Yeah. I can't disagree. It's just not enough margin for me, but mm-hmm. somehow I spoke, I, I talked to you in a position that I'm not going to take myself, even though it's been like kind of one of my weekly sermons here, it seems like on Boise. All right. Next, uh, Jacksonville State at Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, Coastal, I'm just, <laughs> I have a hard time with it, with a team with their trajectory coming off a really bad spot at the end of last season, giving 13 and a half to anybody. Um, you know, I had a pretty wide divergence when I was coming up with my minus four here. And what's interesting is if, if you're going to bet in Coastal Carolina, what kind of price would you demand? Yeah, I think, I think something under a touchdown. For sure. Um, I just the thing is again. So Jacksonville State did almost they, they 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 did beat UTEP, but barely. But to be fair, that was their first FBS game. That was their first win in FBS team. Um, so they had, you got a lot of kids who've been playing in FCS for years. Finally, they get to play an FBS team and they win against an FBS team. That's great. Good for them as an F, like the first win as an FBS program. So I think that was a very emotional thing. Additionally, on the flip side. Um, you have UTEP who actually just destroyed um, uh, Incarnate Word team, one of the better FCS teams in last week. Um, that's for seven. They, I think they crushed them by like two or three scores at least. So I think and our Incarnate Word has lost a lot in the transfer portal. They've lost some quarterbacks. I think the last two quarterbacks they've lost to, to the FBS level. Uh, they lost some coaches and stuff. But at the same point in time, I just 
I, I think this Jackson State team might actually be good. And we've seen this Coastal Carolina team massively underperform the market last year, especially when they were, well, Chris and McCall now, he's still here. But at the same point in time, I think this this doesn't this doesn't look particularly good. So I think Jackson State can get another win here. I, 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 I'm, I'm playing the, I'll play the 13 and a half and the, and the money line here. Yeah. I'll look at it this way. Um, I think Jacksonville state easily has a better defense as coastals is, is really garbage and, you know, limited this year, they've actually been pretty solid against the whatever teams. Um, and last season, they were actually pretty good defense at FCS. Um, pretty comfortable saying that Rich Rodriguez is a much better head coach than Tim Beck um, as well. Going back to UTEP versus Incarnate Word, did you happen to see who Incarnate Word's quarterback is this season? Uh, no. Oh, no, it's uh, Max Johnson or... Z- close. Zach Scott Calzada. Zach Calzada from, from yeah. Uh, yeah, Texas, Texas A&M. Texas A&M and then Auburn. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay, so we're both on, on Jacksonville State here. Getting in thirteenth and a half. Okay, duly noted. Last game: Texas State at UTSA. My goodness, um, I think you know. Before the season, this line would have been probably what your model has it as, as at about twenty and a half, maybe a little bit more. Um, uh, I've got this about eight and a half. I'm just wondering, and. Unless Texas State absolutely just, you know, poops their own pants here. I'm going to do a little bit more on Texas State next week. Really, really interesting. Um, a lot of pieces. I talked about it in the preview of the Sun Belt. But, man, um, other little pieces that have surfaced since make this a really interesting team. <clears throat> um, I did yeah. grab them over five this season. There's been a lot of money on them. Um, they opened at four. So there's been big movement on them. A lot mm-hmm. of belief in them. You know, on the other side, UTSA, when we talked about in the American preview, you know, they they lost and had no offense against Houston. And this is on the heels of that 10-point game effort against Troy and the Bull. And mm-hmm. um, this is all since they promoted the special teams coach or a tight end coach, I can't remember which, to offensive coordinator. And I think that that kind of is is what this team is running up against here. I, man, from a momentum kind of standpoint, I love Texas State here again. Please tell me that your model is um, unfairly unkind to Texas State and I can back my Bobcats. Oh, no, 100%. This is, again, weeks of last year's data in there. It's not catching up so quickly yet. So 100% Texas State. I love Texas State here. I, The thing is, my model doesn't even hate Baylor. My model is kind of like... It's not. It thinks Baylor is actually will be competitive yeah. this week against Utah. So, I think the model is like the model is slow to react to Texas State's beatdown of Baylor. I think Texas State is legit. I'm, I'm on. I'm on Texas. I'd be on Texas State here. Okay. So to summarize, we are both on Air Force, Alabama, James Madison, Jacksonville State, and Texas State. Getting a couple of big numbers there on those last two. You solo have Stanford getting thirty and UCF. Um, I've got UCLA on my own, um, which means that you and I, to, you know, separately go zero and three, and combined we'll probably go like three and two or four and one. Yeah. Um, lastly, 
you know, uh, we started in our in our previews to go over um, in each conference. Give me an upset call. So you didn't you didn't take a victory lap for your awesome call of Colorado I, over TCU. I know I have not. I think done I tried to yet, embarrass yeah. you and poo poo that. Um, yeah. You know, my well, apologies no, I mean, to I'm you. Still, Very no, well no, no, done. No. I'm still. I mean, the thing is, again, and even I literally said that in. If you go back to to that to the preview, I literally said. <laughs> That Colorado will upset TCU, and then we will immediately start betting against. I even said like we're going to start getting immediate value in Colorado. We're immediately going to because I said it would be the greatest. Um, if, if they were to do it, it would be like the greatest. Like you have to think about this in terms of like the, uh, the storyline because the storyline would be like, oh, they upset them, they're really good. But actually, it turns out TCU isn't actually that good, and Colorado's not that good in comparison. So, no, like, and again, even then, I said Colorado's going to be TCU, and then we're just going to spend the rest of the season fading Colorado. And and yeah, we're already doing that. I've, I've both the prophecy has come true already. So yeah, and I yeah. guess Hawaii over Stanford. Um, I feel sad about that. I feel very sad. Um, but uh, we'll, you got you got great great uh, closing line value on that though. I did get great closing line value again. That actually two for two on the upsets on closing line value. Um, kind of feel like LSU is. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get closing. I may or may not get closing line value on that one. We'll have to see. That's I actually have that already. This is seven. Um, oh god, I'm looking down. FAU for Tulane. Ooh, ooh, that's maybe I shouldn't have randomly picked Tulane there. Ooh, that might that might that might age really poorly. We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, th- this week actually, uh, my first one Temple over Rutgers. Um, huh. Temple's getting nine. I didn't have the didn't have the balls to to back him. I've got enough on him on the on the season win totals, but um, Temple. We'll see. I don't know. That was interesting. Temple. Yeah, it was it was pretty close, which I'm kind of taking as a good sign because, um, you know, I feel so strongly that both teams will be better than expected. So better that than like just you know Temple beating them by fifty. Um, I, I think Akron's going to be. I mean, obviously, I think Akron's going to be good. So, um, all right. Well, that's it for part two of week two. Um, Thank you, everyone. We will see you in about seven days. And good luck this week.